0: Do you want to get into real estate but don't know where to start? Do you wonder how others are living rent-free? Our guest today is Bob Lachance. Bob was a professional hockey player who has gravitated towards real estate. Find out how he started in real estate and how working with others helped him to grow in the space. Find out all of that and more today. We provide real estate investors with the tools to achieve generational wealth. Welcome to the Aim High Podcast. I'm your host, Bud Evans. Good day, High Flyers. Welcome to the Aim High Podcast. I am joined today by Bob Lachance. How you doing today, Bob? Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Yeah, man. It's always good to have you here, buddy. Listen, I, I know you pretty well. We have done business together in the past, but why don't you do me a favor and give me a quick introduction?
1: Sure. We have a hockey connection as well. That's ice hockey for everybody, not field hockey. It's ice hockey more on that side of it, but sure. Two-second overview started investing back in 2004. Prior to that, I played professional hockey for eight years, four years here in the US, four years in Europe. I went to Boston University as well, won a national championship there, which was pretty cool. And then uh, so I decided to retire after my fourth year in Europe and decided to look for an industry that had not too tough bearers of entry, I should say. I left school actually two classes short I either had to go get my degree or jump into an industry that did not need a degree. So, I decided to go to the route less traveled without going back to yeah, get only. There's only two classes too. So instead of doing that, I jumped into real estate and fell in love with it first day. I, there's a, you got a love love hate relationship with real estate, but for me, I've loved that. I started back in 2004. I'm still in it, and it's a huge passion of mine. And there's a lot of people in this world that do. Very well in real estate, and I also have a virtual assistant company. But obviously, you're one of our clients. Yep. So I run two of those uh, two of those businesses. Through the years, I've helped start a couple of real estate education programs. I've done short sales. I've done flips. I've done rehabs. I've done wholesaling, wholetailing I've done a lot of different stuff. Invested in syndications, buy and holds, and all that good stuff. Fast forward today. I have a virtual assistant company and a real estate investment company. Those are the two main things I focus on.
0: Yeah. I think you're selling yourself short when you say you just kind of worked <laughs> in some real estate education programs. It's pretty, pretty huge real estate education program.
1: Yeah. A couple, a couple, yeah. So one of the, the companies is Fortune Builders, obviously, it's they were the biggest real estate education program for the longest time. I helped start that company back in 2007. My main job was to run the back end of the coaching program, where partners were with Van, Paul, and Conrad, all those guys, incredible guys. They were out there selling, bringing in the students, and that was our responsibility. So my main one was to hire, train, and bring on new coaches while running the program. And then as it grew, obviously, roles and responsibilities changed. But I'll tell you one thing, I've learned so much from those guys, and I know you, you know them, Bud, as well pretty impressive dude and i have nothing but huge gratitude to for all of my past experiences with all those guys
0: yeah and i came up through the that coaching program thank you for that otherwise i wouldn't (laughs) be where i am right now it's changed a lot of lives it's good it it absolutely has absolutely has and then it just it was a fantastic experience but okay now you're a relatively young kid, I'll say kid. Okay. And you're out of hockey and you're not going back to school. And what exactly brought you, I know the low barrier to entry, but yeah. what got you into real estate?
1: Growing up, my father was a contractor and there were some, there were some tough times he had. The market dropped late 80s. He went through bankruptcy. He He's staying at home where my mother's bagging groceries and she's the breadwinner. So it wasn't all, like I said, it wasn't all peaches and cream, but he bought some multifamily properties. I just learning from that. And he was a framer. I never really liked that. It's 100% transparent, but I knew a lot of individuals made money with it. And so it's, as the older you get, you start reading and start doing research, started looking at all that. start started buying books on real estate. I bought this. Uh, the course on all about real estate, but all about nothing. It's a gentleman by the name of David Wisnet. I think he's still around. He's an attorney. Very, very successful gentleman. And, and I just learned a little bit about what farming areas were. And I was obviously very highly motivated coming from the from the sports world, right? When you set a goal, a lot of times in sports, being an athlete, when you set a goal, you attain it and you keep going. You actually blow by it and you say, oh, I can't believe that was the goal. And you keep going and going. The challenge with athletes is they don't stop and actually give yourself a pat on the back and say, hey, great job. It's what's next, what's next, what's next? Yeah. But to answer your question, real estate was for me, it was a way to work by myself and for, not by myself, sorry, for myself. Cause I hate working by myself. I like working with people. It's just like the hockey locker room. I wanted to always do something that was around people and uh, for me to own my own business, real estate was the easiest way. Cause I knew, again, I knew nothing about business. I came the, from the locker room when I was a, high, a college dropout. So that's the long and short of that.
0: Yeah. So what was your first deal like?
1: You know what? So I was driving around, I was like driving for dollars now, right? Well, a lot of us teach driving for dollars. And uh, I would drive around looking for a roof that needed to be replaced, high grass, windows that are broken, like the same stuff that we, I know you talk about all the time, you teach as well. And I also was driving by a lot of these listed properties and these listed properties sometimes are vacant. So what I would do is I would call agents on them and I would get in and just look around, doing some due diligence at the beginning. And then there's one property on Whiting Lane in West Hartford that got a showing, opened up the door and there's just a real bad smell of cat pee. And I'm like, all right. I remember reading in this course that it's, it could be a good opportunity so i'm like oh. so I, f- I figured out where that smell was and uh, i made an offer properties list for 185 grand i made an offer for 135 uh, and i know a lot of n- new individuals are scared to make that first offer yeah and I, I was too as well i'm no different there but what's the worst thing they could say is no doesn't matter So I put an offer and they accepted it. And I really was scared. You want to talk about being scared because I'm like, all right, how am I going to finance this thing? I don't have any rehabbers, right? So this is, I'm brand spanking new. There's no education like we have now. There's no coaching programs. There's no YouTube with all these videos and the free education out there. So I did it. Same thing we did back in the day. I picked up the newspaper. I went to the Foothills Trader. I found a mortgage broker. I find some contractors. I interview them and then the deal started, got the money. I had rehab funding, rehabbed it in one month, made 32 grand on the deal, which is pretty awesome. So after two months, I have a check for $32,000, but honestly be honest with you, it was lucky. And I knew, I didn't know anything what to do. Right. So I looked in the mirror and I'm like, I have no systems. I have absolutely zero, any ability to find my next deal because I'm back and forth from Home Depot every single day, probably Three to four times every day. I'm doing some of the work with the contractors. I'm trying to figure it out. First day, well, I'll tell you a story over a beer. I fell off the roof the first day, ripping the roof of the garage. That was not fun, but I'll tell you that story later on. Um, So, anyway, I joined my local real estate investment association and saw a speaker on pre foreclosure short sales. And that's really where I got my start. I know I did one rehab, but it really is kind of. It was luck. It was whatever it was. Um, so I bought that course. I was going to buy anything. I was going to invest in any type of education at that time. So anyway, after that event, I read through the course and I like, all right, "I love this short sale pre foreclosure world." There was a there was another meeting. Let's say about two weeks later, and I went to every single person within that group and I said, "Who is the best short sale guy or girl in Connecticut?" And they all pointed to I think Pat Precourt. They all pointed to pat Precourse. so i went up to him and said pat you have no idea who i am i'm not looking for a, a w2 job i'm just looking to join a team you have any you have any spots open he said i'm actually looking for a, an acquisition specialist a door knocker i'm like All right. so i door knock for a year straight from 10 a.m to 3 p.m every single monday through friday with my mindset of saying i want to learn the business from ground up
0: hey it's what you do right you're a grinder yep. you get out there yeah. you you get your nose the wheel of the, yeah, nose the grindstone and just push through, right? Got no choice. You got no choice. That's it, man. And then you just built up from there? Yep.
1: So from there, I did, I don't know how many, Should probably if I fast forward today, I probably did over, I don't know, 1,500 short sale transactions. I uh, I found a door knocker, put it in my position, got another door knocker, put it in my position, and I started negotiating with banks. So now I'm doing short sales with banks. And then 2000, I think it was six, we helped a another education company, but it was in the short sale space, running their coaching program. In 2007, this is while we're investing and in running our own short sale business. We all know what happened. That the sky fell in 2008, 2007, 2008, 2009, but Stan Paul and Conrad from Fortune Builders, it wasn't called Fortune Builders at that time, it was CT Homes, came to Pat and I and said, hey guys... I know you guys are running a successful coaching program because Dan would call me back and forth on short sales. Hey, I got this deal with Bank America. What do I do? Yeah. You know, Cause we were doing a, a high volume on that side of it. And they said, Hey, you guys want to join the team? Absolutely. We had no idea for fortune. Miller was just, it was just a name and they were out there selling. It started with short sale course, rehab course, and then they started selling coaching. So they needed a coaching program.
0: So that's where we came in. Awesome, man. Yeah. So I'll tell you what, let's just go right into Riva Global because you have built that yeah. thing from nothing to I want to use this every day, all day. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I will start. Yeah. So through the and I'll tell you how how Riva Global, the virtual assistance company, started. Working with students in this, I think you and I spoke about two weeks ago. A lot of individuals that want to get into real estate, um, is where a lot of our students they are either working part-time, full time, or just extremely busy. They do the business full-time, but they're extremely busy. They want to start either scaling, they want, to, they want to add more individuals on their team. We're a small business, call it what it is. So we have a certain amount of resources that we can invest in staff. So I was always looking for that. It took years upon years. I'm like, there's got to be a system. There's got to be a product. There's got to be a service out there that could help our students. So 2013, I got introduced to what a virtual assistant was. I had no idea what a VA was and we call them VA. So th- that's our lingo right now is VAs. That's a uh, real estate, obviously Riva global real estate, virtual assistants. That's where that came from. And uh, so finally, 2013, I got introduced to again, what a VA was and a light bulb went on. I'm like, you know what? Let me try one. Let me test one. Oh, phone was Let me test one. So I tested one on their building buyers list. They're doing some outbound dialing. This is back again, 2013. And then in 2014, light bulb went on. And I'm like, I'm going to start this as a company. I had a partner back then. So him and I started this and we just, did all my virtual assistants out of the Philippines, we created a sourcing recruiting team out there. We have a training team. We have a placements team. Operations, HR, et cetera, et cetera, out in the Philippines. So they take care of everything. I'm here in the United States. Obviously, our sales and marketing team here is in the United States, but all of our operations are over there. Um, I head there probably two to three times a year. Before COVID, it was, I think I was averaging about four, maybe three to four times a year. And then obviously, COVID kind of put a stop to a bunch of stuff. But yeah, things are going great today.
0: Great, man. Now, what's on the horizon? You know what?
1: So we have, just to give you a little background on, um, you know, we have a real estate investment company literally threw that wall over there. We did 240 transactions last year on the real estate investment side. And uh, we're looking to do three something this year. Obviously, we know with interest rates going up, there's going to be some tweaks and changes, but we still have a very high goal there. On the virtual assistant side, we're looking to work with, more individuals, like different coaching programs, maybe different verticals in the real estate industry. The real estate profession is big. You have bookkeepers, you have property managers, you have agents, you have investors, you have uh, SaaS companies, CRM companies, software companies. You name it. That are that's very expandable by getting our name out there. Unfortunate thing for us is we have a very good reputation because we care about results for our clients. Obviously, you're one of our. One of our clients, and you and know, I speak about that pretty often, and I think that's very important. For and this is one of the things. That, uh, one of the things that I think is really important for anybody looking for either a product or a service. What I would do is vet that company and make sure that they're using their service. I think that's for me. It's always been really important that the individual that's selling me or the individual that is running it does that whatever that business is as well, because you're in the ground up as well when there's some challenges or some feedback, how to fix it. And that's why I think Fortune Motors was so was so successful is because those guys always did the business and they knew what to teach and what's relevant and what's not. It's the same for services and products, like a virtual assistant company as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm going to give you kudos, man, because I'll tell you what, I first, my executive assistant knocks it out of the park. He's a walking advertisement for your company. Ron is awesome. He keeps me on track. Booked our call today. In fact, made sure that we were both on the same page. Got this fantastic backdrop behind me. Everything, email, it it coordinates all eight of our companies under the Aim High logo. It's fantastic. These guys come and they're disc profiled. So I know exactly what I'm getting when I uh, sign Mm -hmm. up and boom, you just hit the ground running. Yeah, but now I got to ask you now, knowing that you're growing, knowing that you're doing everything in the real estate industry, and you're doing very well for yourself, what is one thing that as your wealth increased, you learned?
1: It's one of the things I think this is for everybody. A lot of times when your wealth increases, there's more shiny objects that come out you could do this. Hey, how about a knockdown rebuild? Hey, how about self-storage? Hey, how about high-rise apartments? I'll tell you what, I got burned in 2005 because of a lack of education on my part and getting caught up in that shiny object syndrome. And I wasn't where I was today, of course, right? But it was a can't-miss deal in Greenwich, Connecticut, right down the street from Regis Philbin and Kathy Lee Gifford back in the day. And uh, I lost 107, $150,000 $150,000 in a knockdown rebuild. And uh, when you're not making a lot of money, that's hard to dig out of. But the probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me, right? On that side of it, because I'll tell you what, it gets that shiny object out of there. And some advice I want to tell everybody, there's no get rich quick anything in real estate. I don't listen to half the BS you hear out there because I've tried a lot of it. And I know, bud, you tried a lot of it. Yeah. It's a slow and steady race. You think about it. You look at the individuals that have an incredible portfolio. They start with one house at a time. Yeah. One after another, one after another. It's, it, I think that's a big takeaway. And I think a lot of people, sometimes they get pressured by maybe social media, which social media, you got fake book. you got, you got all those things just be careful with what you really see because i know an individual that used to speak on stage and he asked a friend of mine to take a picture in front of their red porsche wasn't their car just be careful what you, do. you don't believe everything what you do. and i think today's day and age i'm glad a lot of people are starting to realize that that a lot of that stuff
0: is just smoke and mirrors yeah man yeah. it's you grind right yeah That's how you get ahead. Slow and steady. Just keep grinding. All right. Good day, High Flyers. Do you need help with your business? We can help you get out of a jam or even get you started in real estate. Check us out at BudEvans.com. Being good at sales isn't a natural talent. There is no it factor. Sales is identifying what the prospect needs, then providing the solutions to their problem. This is the process. Check out disruptors.com slash aim high, where sales disruptors are looking to make 100 millionaires. Thanks. Now back to the show. So, Bob, we're going to go into the soaring four. The soaring four are four questions that can help somebody who's just starting out achieve new heights. All right, so question number one. What do you use to stay motivated?
1: You know what I use? I always look at the individuals that I have on my team. And if I'm not performing, they're not going to be able to feed their family. So Mm -hmm. for me, the motivation is, is really people, right? I got my virtual assistant company, same thing. I have an obligation to each and every, not only each and every one of them, but whoever's attached to them, if they have kids, if they take care of their parents, that's also my responsibility. I know sometimes it's a heavy burden for people to take on themselves, but for me personally, that's just how I've always been. It's always been when you're on a team, right? When you're on a hockey team, you're it doesn't matter who scores the goal. If you get an assist, that's as good as a goal because you allowed your team to get a point. And again, I think it's just a it's just a how you see it through your lens that's very important because people are number one.
0: Yeah. He used to gravitate towards the two-way players, Rod Brindamore and Mark yep. Messier, guys like that, who it wasn't necessarily about how much they scored. It was about how much they prevented the other team to score yeah. as well.
1: Trees on one of the best right
0: now. Right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. All right. What is one thing that you learned that completely changed your mindset?
1: I think it was a book in, in Compound Effect. One day, so it, it's every step you take and every little thing that you do to move the needle. Just keep going. It's little by little. It's not you're not going to take one giant step to that million dollar payday. It's going to take a while, and everything you do compounds on itself. It's kind of like how do people gain a hundred pounds? It's they start eating the crap food. They'll start with a donut. They'll start with McDonald's or whatever kind of crap food. But then then the portions start here and then it gets bigger. It's the same thing with the positive stuff in life, right? If you want to get into real estate, guess what? You first say, I'm going to get into real estate. Next, in any business, you need leads, lead generation. So what you do, and this is... But a lot of people fall into the trap where, especially rehabbers, they start marketing, they get a bunch of leads in, and then they, now they got a deal and then they start rehabbing. Guess what stops? The market. The consistency. So I think the takeaway is everything you got to do has got to be consistent and you can't stop. What's the worst case scenario? You don't follow up with a lead. That's way better than losing momentum and not having leads. So this is, that's something that I think is really important for anybody
0: out there listening. Absolutely. What tools do you use to keep you on track?
1: The easiest tool is actually a Google calendar. it. <laughs> and obviously I have virtual assistants and I have a schedule. I have a set schedule. So for my schedule, I do all of my, my, not all of it, but a lot of my virtual assistant stuff, my team meetings in the morning. So either start at eight or nine in the morning and I block off that time. And then a lot of the other times either doing podcasts or if I'm traveling, or from doing real estate, obviously, is typically in the afternoon hours. After this, but um, I know that's an easy kind of. I know many people use Slack. Another tool I use is Viber to to keep in touch with my my VA team in the Philippines as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, we use Slack and Asana. Um, yeah, yep. yeah, we're just migrating over now to high level. It's a pretty yep. robust system, and I know yep. there's a big push now towards Circle. Is there? Okay. Masterminds and whatnot. Yeah. But that's part of different coaching programs and whatnot. Yeah. But if you had to start all over again today, what would you change?
1: That's a good question. I would probably, you know what I'd probably start doing? Because I started in 2004, I would start buying and holding right away. I think it's a pain in the ass to be honest with buying and holding because I can't say I want to get a call from a tenant. We just dumped majority of our inventory. Because the market was so high, and we sold, we had uh, we had thirty doors, and I also invest some syndication, but I don't have to get phone calls at all. But yeah. that's what I would have done, just because of the appreciation over time doesn't matter. Think about this: if you buy a property that's worth three hundred, three hundred fifty thousand dollars, and their cash flow is, and I'm making these numbers up, I don't know, five hundred bucks, thousand bucks. Over time, before you, twenty years, goes like that, mm-hmm. and you and I like it, it goes so fast, and. Before you know it, you'll have zero debt and you'll have an asset that's worth more than you bought it for. Even yeah. if it's the same value, guess what? Now you have $350,000 of equity in a property. So that's what I would have done. You buy 10 of those and you buy 20 of those, you never have to work again. Or depending on what your overhead is, sitting on three, four, or probably about six, seven, eight, nine, ten million eight, nine, $10 million is not a bad place to be in 20 years.
0: Yeah, man. Would okay. you do it all over again,
1: Bob? I would hundred <laughs> percent,
0: 100%. It's a rush, isn't
1: yeah, it? <laughs> it is. It is. And you know, it's funny though. And you realize that this business, real estate investing takes you to different, it takes you to coaching. It takes you to mentoring. It takes you to masterminds. It takes you to, I have a virtual assistant company. I never, you know, in a million years would have ever thought I, I'd own a company in the Philippines ever and have a virtual assistant company. And that started with real estate started education programs. And I'm like, I was a, that was a college dropout. I don't know. This is, this business is the best.
0: Yeah, man. I agree. Hey, Bob, thank you very much for joining us today. I really do appreciate your time. I know you're busy as heck. I really do appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for having me, bud. Appreciate it. Yeah. It's a pleasure for those of you who are watching or listening until the next time we meet aim high. Another great show, High Flyers. Remember, being good at sales is not a natural talent. There is no it factor. Sales is identifying what the prospect needs, then providing the solution to the problem. This is the process. Check out disruptors.com slash aim high, where sale disruptors are looking to make a 100 millionaires. Until next, we meet aim high.